So Baruchim Abayim, everyone. It's uh, lovely to be here uh, with some of you physically, and the vast majority of you, um, you, inter- you left the people in the waiting room, yeah? Um, uh, the vast majority of you on, on Zoom, and we are about to begin a really exciting series, which I'm delighted to uh, be sharing with you. And I want to first begin by thanking, of course, the, those who have made this initiative possible, of course, Sina and Avi, and also personally to thank Jack as well, who helped with the source sheet. Um, but we have together eight lectures, uh, please God. And during this time, we will be spending two of the eight theory on principles. So we won't be over this tonight's show and next week's show, we won't be spending so much time on the actual halakha um, actual laws. We're going to be spending more time on the principles behind how we reach halakha. That's going to be the main objective of these, um, of these first two shiurim uh, tonight and next week. Then the final six shiurim will be discussing the more practical halakha. And I, I want to say that these two shiurim, which we're going to go through, if, if one understands them properly and, and is able to uh, understand the background and the application of them, then three quarters of questions which people get when it comes to Chot Shabbat can be answered with these principles which we will learn. And this is what the Hachamim tell us. You always try to stick to Kalim. There are so many, as we all know, there are so many details to Chot Shabbat. It's endless how many details there are. And it's impossible to know them all. What you can know are the Kalim. You can know the principles. When you know the principles, then you're able to apply them in the vast majority of scenarios which we have uh, uh, from Shabbat to Shabbat. So that's what we're going to be focusing on tonight and next week is the principles behind halachic decisions um, on Shabbat. Sorry, is that? Yeah. Okay. Has, has everyone got the source sheet? Everyone else? Uh, put down the link. Check on. Safari is down. We're in big trouble. Can anyone access Safari on at home? I have Safari. Yes, I I have the Safari. Yeah. Isaac, Isaac Dweck, I'm going to get you co-host, and you can share the screen if that's okay. Um, yeah, it might be difficult because the Wi-Fi is not the best, but yeah, okay. There you go. You're co-host now, so if you want to go ahead and share. I have it open on my computer, so I'm going to try on my There we go. Oh, Let's do that for now. There you go. So that's his? That's yours, actually. That's mine. Yeah, okay, yeah. great, great. It's okay, fine. Yeah. I should do share screen? Yeah. Okay, fine. So I'm just going to share screen so everyone can see it. Okay, excellent, thank you. So, let's get going. And 
the root of everything which we talk about on Shabbat is what we call from the Torah, Pashat Vayakeh, what we call Melechet Machshevet. The Torah is talking about the contraction of the Mishkan, the end of the book of Shemot in Pashat Vayakeh. Betzalel was instructed to oversee the construction of the Mishkan. Okay, and he needs to work with Chokhmah, with wisdom, the construction of the Mishkan, and the final Pasuk, he needs to build and he needs to work in every kind of designer's craft. From these words, Melechet Mahashavet, we have uh, so many principles relating to Shabbat. So the Gemara, it's funny, the Gemara in Beshabbat never says this. It only comes in the Gemara in Beitza. The Gemara says, in the context of Shabbat, That Whenever the Torah talked about prohibited melacha, we know, of course, there were 39 melachot which are prohibited on Shabbat. These melachot have to be melechet mahashavet. They have to be uh, creative work. It's, we're going to define what, these, what this concept means, melechet mahashavet. There has to be this term. If it's not this term, then you have not done something forbidden by the Torah. Maybe by the hachamim, but by the Torah it won't be the case. And Rashi explains this in Betzah. He says, uh, if you have a look on the, uh, on the source sheet, in Rashi, he says, The only Melechet Umanut, only a Melecha of uh, creative and professional work does the Torah prohibit. Why? That's exactly what we said, what we saw. Since the Torah juxtaposes the building of the Mishkan with Shabbat, because the Torah says that Moshe Israel, gathered together all of the Israel and said, I'm giving you the construction of the Mishkan, but from the Mishkan we learn all of the Melachot. And since we learn them from the Mishkan, the Mishkan talks about the Melachah of the Mishkan being Melechet Machshevet. Therefore, the Torah only prohibited something which is Melechet Machshevet. And with that in mind, we're going to go through six things which are part of Melechet Machshevet, which define Melechet Machshevet. And unless you have all of these six things, you have not violated a prohibition of the Torah. What are these six things? I'm showing the screen again. Number one is mitkaven, which means you have intention for the act you're doing. Number two is kedarka, you do it in the normal fashion. Number three is tzrichale gufa, which basically means you're doing it for the same purpose it was done in the mishkan. So, for example, in the mishkan, they um, trapped animals in order to use the animals which they were trapping. If you trap the animal just uh, to ensure that it doesn't bite you, that seemingly would be a melacha which is not srichali gufa, and therefore will not be forbidden by the Torah. Again, we'll discuss that in, in length. And number four is metaken. It has to be something constructive you're doing. So if you do a melacha which was done in the Mishkan, such as um, destroy, as, as, as uh, demolishing, but you demolish without a constructive purpose, then because of this fourth criteria of metaken, it won't apply. Number five has to be kayem. It has to be permanent. It can't be temporary. And number six, your de'avra which means is that you have full knowledge of what you are doing. It's possible to wake up on a Friday night in the middle of the night 
and have full intention to water, uh, to, to switch the light on. You do it in the normal way. You do it for the purpose of wanting the light. It's constructive. It's permanent. But you don't realize it's Shabbat. So that's called the Mitasek. So these are the six. If you don't have all of these six criterion, then you have not violated any soul in the Torah. It's not considered the Melechet Machshevet. These six points make it Melechet Machshevet. Tonight, we're just going to go through point one, Mitkaven, because there is a lot to talk about. And next week, we'll go through two to six, Kedarka, until number six. And we'll also discuss next week the principles when it comes to um, rabbinic things. So when do we say a rabbinic, something rabbinic is permitted? When do we say it's not permitted? When do you have a two rabbinic thing that is permitted? Again, these are principles through which when you know these principles, you're able to apply them in all contexts of Hilchot Shabbat. So that's the introduction. And now we're going to get to number one. As I said, tonight we're focusing on just Mitkaven and all the aspects of Mitkaven. So, the first thing is Melechet Machshevet, when you do something from the Torah and it's a professional, it has to be something which you intend to do. If it's something which you don't intend to do, then it's not a so. But this is a Machloket in the Gemara. Between Rabbi Yoda and Rabbi Shimon, the Gemara in Shabbat, the phenomenon which you can see on the source sheet, Rabbi Yoda da'amar davashamit kaven asur. Rabbi Shimon Amar, Mutar. So here we have a Mahrokit, Tamnaim, Rabbi Yudan Rabbi Shimon. According to Rabbi Yehuda, even if you don't intend it to happen, it's forbidden. According to Rabbi Shimon, it's Mutar. What's the classical example given in the Talmud? That's Gorera Adam Mita, Mita, Kise, Vesafsal, Ubidvar Shiloit Kavelna Sot Haritz. So you have, you know, one of the third time Melachot is plowing. Part of Tolada of plowing is that. You cannot make grooves in the earth. Now you're pulling this bed or this chair or this bench across the earth. By doing so, perhaps you're going to make a, uh, a groove in the earth. But you have no intention to do that. Because you have no intention to do that, that's called the Vashamit Kaven. According to Rabbi Shimon, Mutar. According to Rabbi Uday, it's still Asur. Now, Rashi says something important. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, if I don't have intention for that, I'm putting the bench, I'm putting the, 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 the table, I don't have intention to make this groove. Why should there be Yehuda say it's a soul? Don't we have a principle that Melechet Machshavit is Torah? And Rashi explains. He says, of course, even according to Yehuda, it's not going to be a soul for the Torah. It's not possible. He says clearly, the davar Okay, so in the context there, when it comes to trapping an animal, um, we'll see it, but the point is Rashi is telling us, and Tosfot says the same, that even according to Rabbi Huda, in the context of Shabbat Davash Kaven is only a sur midrabbanan it's not going to be a sur from the Torah, because as we said the finding criteria is Melechet Mahshevet Asra Torah now who does the Halakha follow when we have a conflict between Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Shimon so the Gemara Yerobin tells us quite clearly Rabbi Yudav, there the Gemara gives certain kalips and kika, have to be for second certain scenarios. And there the Gemara says, Rabbi Yudav, Rabbi Shimon, halakha ke Rabbi Yehuda. Yav machloket, halakha for Rabbi Yehuda. And according to the majority of the Rishonim, this is just general, good general knowledge to know, according to the vast majority of the Rishonim, this means 
that whenever you have a Mahogi to be with Shimon, you follow Rabbi Huda because the Gemara says quite clearly. This is the opinion of the Benu Hanan El, the Reef. However, the Baal Halachot Gedolot, he disagreed with this. He said that we find in another place in Eruvin where it says Halachak Rabbi Huda Be'eruvin. Because it says Halachak Rabbi Huda Be'eruvin, the implication is only in the context of Eruvin is the Halachah like him, but not in other places. And therefore he holds that we don't, when you have a conflict of Be'udah and Shimon, Halachah doesn't follow Be'udah in all places. But as we said, according to most Rishonim, Be'udah Rabbi Shimon, Halachah follows Rabbi Yehuda. And it's good to bear that in mind when learning Subyot and Shas, to bear in mind when you have a conflict of Be'udah Shimon, which is quite common, Halakha will normally follow Rabbi Yehuda. However, there's an exception, as always. Klalim, principles, always have to come with exceptions to the principles. And the exception to this is with Shabbat. So, here the Grand Shabbat tells us, 157, Throughout the Shabbat, Halakha follows Rabbi Shimon. Now, there's a Machoket, the Gemara says apart from one place. It doesn't matter what that one place is. But for all intents and purposes, what we need tonight, Halakha follows Rabbi Shimon in the context of the Chochabat. That means even though normally Halakha follows Rabbi Yehuda against Rabbi Shimon, but when it comes to Chochabat, Halakha follows Rabbi Shimon. And I wrote in, underneath, see the Ramban, the Ran and the Meiri. That should be Ramban, not Ramban. According to Ramban and Ran, this applies in all of the Chochabat. Whereas, according to the Me'iri, thank you, according to the Me'iri, this only applies in the Chot Muktzeh. He brings an opinion that only applies in the Chot Muktzeh, because there's lots of Rabbi Shimon, if you've learned the Sugyot of Muktzeh, Rabbi Shimon comes up there quite a lot. But, the general approach of the Rishonim is that whenever you have Rabbi Shimon in Mesechet Shabbat, pertaining to an issue of Shabbat, then Halakha will follow Rabbi Shimon. And accordingly, all the Rishonim are posek in this Machloket, between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon, they are posek, of course, like Rabbi Shimon. Rambam writes in Chot Shabbat, Perek Aleph Halakha, hey, Devariya mutarim na'asotam b'Shabbat, u'bishat asiyatam efshar sheti'aseh b'yoyam melechav shashalot te'aseh. You're doing something which is permissible. I'm allowed to pull the bench. Through pulling the bench, I may cause a groove to be crazy, I may not cause a groove to be crazy. Im lonit kaven otam melechav, is a mutar. You didn't have intention, it's permissible. Ketzar. You can pull the table as long as you don't have intention. Even if afterward putting the table you realize that there was a hole created by doing so, no problem. You can walk on grass on Shabbat as long as you don't have intention to pull it out. So even according to Rabbi Yibi Shimon, who the halakha follows, that the Varshinomikamin Mutar, you cannot pull the table across the garden and have in mind, look, it may happen, it may not happen, but you want these things to happen. You're, plan- you're planning tomorrow to start some planting for the summer. So, you know, you're going to pull the table. I don't know if it's happening, it may happen, it may not happen. If it does happen, yeah, I actually have that in mind. That whilst I'm doing this, this may happen, I'll be happy with it. And I have intention whilst putting the table to be thinking perhaps holes will be made. Of course, even according to Rabbi Shimon, that will be prohibited. The essence is it has to be a davar, shenomit kaven. You have no intention for it. And it's permissible because it may or may not happen. And as we said, the Rambam and all the Rishonim are posek like Rabbi Shimon, as the Gemara tells us in Shabbat, and we have a mahlok, Rabbi Shimon, 
you follow Rabbi Shimon. Similarly, we find the same in Maran and Shulchan Aruch. And Maran writes in 337, We'll come to that. As well, as you don't have intention to make a groove, it's permissible because of the same principle which we saw. Good. Having said all of that, there is an important caveat to this. And this is what the Gemara in Shabbat 75 tells us. That Abayan Rava, so Rabbi Shimon himself didn't say this by the way. It's very interesting. Rabbi Shimon said, And he didn't clarify and said in certain circumstances yes and certain circumstances not. Abayan Rava tells us that even according to Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon only allowed when it's not a psikreshe. Psikreshe, as I'm sure we're all familiar with, again, we have to start with the basics and build our way up. I mean, some of the things we're going to be saying may be obvious to many, but we have to you know, go through all the sources and, and see how it all build, comes together. Psikreshe means, you, can you cut the head of a chicken and expect not to die? You want to cut the head of the chicken to play with the head of the chicken? That was the, what they used to play with in those days. And um, you can't cut it off and say, look, I don't want it to die. That's, that's reality. Reality is when you cut the head of a chicken, it's going to die. And so Abayan Ravah tells us in the Gemara in various places that even though Rabbi Shimon, the Rashi Kaven Mutar, if however it's a psikreshe, which means it's in, an inevitable consequence of your action, then even according to Rabbi Shimon, it's prohibited. And this is not disputed at all in the Talmud, and this is codified again in Rambam in the next Talakha, where he writes, Varasa ma'aseh We'll come back to that. He did something where there's a definite consequence of that action. Even if he didn't have intention to do it, because if it's well known that it's going to happen, the child wants to play with the head of the chicken. Even though you don't intend for the, to kill the chicken, it's well known human beings know that you cut the head of a chicken, it's going to die. And therefore, that's called the psikreshe, and it therefore is prohibited. And that's where, they get, that's where the name, whenever we talk about an, an inevitable consequence, we talk about psikreshe. It comes from this, for the concept of you cut the head off. That's what the words mean, cut the head. We don't bother finishing the sentence, but it's really cut the head and won't die, question mark. Of course it's going to die. You have to... And there's different ways how to understand this. We could go into this bit of people, but the simple way of understanding this is, is that when something is definitely going to happen, then you can't turn around and say, I didn't intend this to happen. The Vashem is because it may, it may not happen. And I don't want it. I don't... Sorry. No, I don't want it to happen. I don't intend it to happen. I'm putting the table. It may make a groove. may not make a groove. I'm running on the grass. The grass may be uprooted. It may not be uprooted. I don't know. And I don't, I'm not intending to do it. Therefore, it's mutar. But if you're doing something which it's so definite it's going to happen, it's definitely going to happen, and you can't hide behind the veil of, I didn't intend it to happen. Deep down, you must have intended to happen. That's one way of looking at it. Another way of looking at it is more, because it's definitely going to happen, this is an extension of your action. Okay, there's discussions about this in the later Achonim. But the point is, Psikreshe is forbidden by the Torah. And 
a practical example we find in Maran and Shohan Aruch, where he writes, Mutar You can walk on grass, whether it's wet or not. Because you have intention to uproot the grass, which of course, if you uproot the grass, it would be kotzev, harvested. Aval ha'ochlim beginot, beginot, asurim litoli dehem al-asabim. However, if you're having a picnic out in your garden on Shabbat, you can't do nitiyat yadayim on the grass, shemashkim otam, because you're watering them, which is a tolada of zoreya, of planting. Although planting in the Mishkan was planting, a tolada, subcategory which we'll talk about, is watering. And therefore, it's an inevitable consequence, therefore it's going to be a soul. And therefore, anytime you do something on Shabbat, and you're doing a permissible action, but the, in, the inevitable consequence of that action will be something a soul will happen, that is a soul. So this is why people often ask, this is a common question you get on Friday evening, about 10 minutes before Shabbat begins, is I've just come to a place, I've gone on holiday, this is the time you get it. In the summer, you get this, these questions every few weeks. Uh, 10 minutes for Shabbat. I've come to the holiday home, I've opened the fridge, and the light comes on when I open and close the fridge. Um, what do I do? So if you, if you leave the shiur now, then the answer will have to be that you can't open the fridge if you leave now. The reason being is because you are opening the fridge. Yes, I don't intend for the light to come on, but it's an inevitable consequence. You're going to cut the head of the tree, it's not going to die. You're going to open the fridge, the light's going to come on. You can't open the fridge, seemingly. Of course I'm going to answer that. You have to wait till the end for that. Because it's very fascinating. We'll come to it. We'll come to it tomorrow. We'll come to it. Okay. Now, there's an interesting point here, and that is as follows. Pay attention to what Haram Bam wrote earlier on in Halakha Vav. He wrote, It's definitely going to happen. Now, there's another Halakha in the Shuhan Aruch, in 277. So now we move on to the second part. This is all part of Mitkaven. The concept which we find in the very late poskim of Karov Lipsikration. Near to Psikration. What does this mean? We find Halakhan Shonok. Ner Shemunach Ahorea Delet, Asuliftoach Adelet. Shema Yechabenu Haruach. A candle behind the door. It's forbidden to open that door because perhaps the wind will extinguish it. Does that make sense according to what we've learned? Yes. I'll tell you why. Well, that's that's what we've read, but that would be the practical application of this. But the problem is obviously is that he says, Perhaps the wind will extinguish it. Perhaps it will, perhaps it won't. I don't want it. To, I, I've got no interest in the narrow going out. It's not. I do. I do. The, in your example, Margaret, I agree, yeah. which is why it's different. Right. You're doing it in order for the, for that. That's wrong. Right. Here, you have a candle, which you probably want the candle to last, but you don't have to put the candle there. You can't have to open the door because perhaps the wind is going to cause it to go out. But, and if it does go out, what's the problem? It's, it's, it's not obsecreshet. So what's the source of this halakha? So this halakha is in Gemara and Shabbat, 120. The Gemara says, The candles behind the door you open and close normally. 
But Rav got very upset with this. And the Gemara asked, why was Rav so upset with this? Amar because Moder Bishimon Bepsik Reshev Eloyamut. Because Rabbi Shimon is Moder Psik Reshev Eloyamut. So the Gemara, when it's talking about this halakha, of that you can't put the candle behind the door, because the wind's going to extinguish it, the Gemara is clearly talking about the case of Psik Reshev. It's clear, right? And when Harambam codifies this halakha, I did, it's not on the source sheet, but Rambam is posek this halakha um, in, he's posek this halakha in Perekei um, Halakha Yudzayin. In chapter 5, Halakha Yudzayin, he's posek this halakha, and he brings it down as definitely happening. You can't put a candle behind the door when it, by opening it, it's definitely going to cause the candle to be extinguished. And that makes sense. That's consistent with the Gemara and it's consistent with the principles which we have. The problem though is the Shohan Aruch who writes here, Shema Yechabenu Haruach. Perhaps that's disturbing terminology because that perhaps seems to be not Psikreshe. Where does he get this from? He gets this from the Rosh. The Rosh uh, on this Gemara, he, uh, the mission. Actually, I did. I did quote the Rambam. Sorry. I did quote the Rambam. Here it is. Because you are extinguishing it. By opening and closing the door, you're going to extinguish it. It's inevitable. Just be careful when you're opening and closing that you don't, it's not definitely going to extinguish. So, seemingly, he seems to be saying that uh, it's a psikreshe. However, the Rosh, quoting Rashi, we don't have this Rashi, but quoting Rashi, he explains to the Gemara that it's Shema Yechabenu, perhaps it will be extinguished. And that's what the Shulchan Aruch followed when he wrote Shema. And this is very problematic. And the Bi'ul Haracha, authored by the Mishnah Brura, on the page in the Shulchan Aruch, asks this question. The Gemara, which we saw the Gemara, said the problem was Psikreshe. That's why it was forbidden. But if it's Shema, first it's different to the Gemara. But more than that is that it doesn't fit with our principles. So the Bu'arakha, in order to explain the Shohan Aruch, he quotes the Maharsha, who comes up with this concept, which the Maharsha coins this concept, of Karov There are some things which although not being 100% inevitable, they are 99% inevitable. And in such a case, the Maharsha, the Shmuel Eidos from Bublin, from 16th century, uh, says that this is falls under Psikreshe. So according to this, even if it's not 100% going to happen, if it's almost definitely going to happen, it's a soul. Now, did Harambam learn like that? Certainly not. Because for two reasons. Firstly, Harambam says clearly, He says clearly, has to be definite. Secondly, he explains the Gemara, which we saw as talking about a case where it's definitely going to be extinguished. He didn't talk about this Shema, this perhaps business. For him, it's clear. It has to definitely happen. If it does definitely happen, there's no such concept as very likely it's going to happen. But this concept of Karolipsi the later Poskim pick up on. 
And there's one other place, to the best of my knowledge, there's one other place where the Mishnah Burah comes up with this idea again. And that's with regards to this Gemara here. The Gemara one for one, the Gemara says, Amar Rava, Lo lehadek inish udra bepuma deshisha. Don't stuff a rag into the mouth of a jug. Dilma atili de sechita, perhaps you'll come to sechita. Now let's think about this again. What's the problem here? It may happen. It, may, it says Dilma. Perhaps it's going to come to squeezing. It may not happen. Because if it does happen, what's the problem? So the Rambam quotes this to Halakha with these words. Rambam in 2215 writes these words. But for him it's not difficult because he's learning that this there's liquid in it which is going to fall into the jug. And therefore, this is something, there's, there's two ways around this. I'll come to Rambam in a moment. Let me come to Rambam in a moment. The Shuhana, let me say the Shulchan Aruch first. The Shulchan Aruch, he quotes this Gemara in Shinchaf in 320 and 32016, Tetzayin. And he says, Asur Because of squeezing. Because when you're pushing the rag into the jug, it's going to cause it to squeeze. Now, the problem is, he uses an expression that it's definitely going to squeeze. And the, the, Shara, the Mishnah Brura, of course, the Shara Tziyun, that's the Mishnah, authored by the Mishnah Brura, in 320.49, over here, he asks the question, is that the Gemara says it's a Dilma, it's a perhaps. So why is the Shulchan Aruch quoting the Mordechai, one of the Rishonim, why is he using this expression that it, you're going to squeeze? And so he comes up with the same concept again. And he says there is this concept of karov When the Gemara said Dilma, it's a perhaps, but it's a very, it's a very possible uh, consequence. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very possible consequence, and it's, it's extremely possible, and therefore it's forbidden. No, Siv is something else. Siv is the Borer. Because of, and Borer, because of selecting for the utensil. We'll, we'll, come, we'll, we'll talk about Sivs later on in the, in the, in the series. Um, so again, you see this concept. Two places throughout Mishnah Brura where he quotes this concept of Karov Lipsikreshe, it's near to Psikreshe. Now, our Poskim never talked about this. As I said, it's not in the Rambam, it's not explicit in the Shanoch anywhere. And it's highly unlikely such a concept exists, simply because, firstly, everyone's talking about psikreshe means you're cutting the head, it's definitely going to happen. Right? We never find, you know, to start to build up these concepts of karogrips, it's near to this, where you know, it's not really, isn't much of a source for it. And also, if you think about it, this is something which is for the professionals here to think about, is that if you dissect every act which we do, you think about every every with Kaven. If you were able to know the exact science and putting a table and the exact geography involved in it, you could probably work out as I'm putting the and taking down the maths, the weight of the table, taking all of these variables into account, you come up with an equation. You could probably know at what point the table will make the hole, what probably won't make the hole. Right? Correct? But no one's ever suggested that. Why? Because we don't look at it like that. You can't dissect your actions into things like that, right? You look at the whole thing in general. Since 
Bichlalut, generally, this is a ma'aseh, which overall may, may not happen, therefore, it's going to be mutah. Uh, if it's ever going to happen, it's going to be a sur. To start to come to this middle ground where, yeah, it, it may not definitely happen, but it's very likely it's going to happen, then again, what's the, what's the yedah with this? Where are you going to end up with this? Therefore, this is why our poskim never really took this into account. For us, there is no such concept of karov lipsi kresheh. If it's definitely going to happen, it's a sur. If it's not definitely going to happen, it's mutar. One final thing I'll say, or Eli, I'll take your question in a second. One final thing I'll say about this before we get to seed is that you look at the whole, you look at the whole action which you're doing. Let me give you a great example for this. This is written by the Rivash. I didn't quote this on the, but it's important Rivash to see. It's Hakbar Shashat, uh, who was um, Talmud of the Ran, Rabbeinu Nisim, um, Sparadi, and he says that when deciding whether something's psikresha or not, you look at the whole action. So take, for example, the halakha is you don't have to comb your hair with certain brushes. Why? Because combing your hair with certain brushes is psikresha, inevitable you're going to pull a hair out. Now, brush your hair, five, ten brushes, have a, yeah? Now, obviously, it can't be that each hair, you, each time you brush, you're going to pull out the hairs. Otherwise, you're going to end up bald every time you brush your hair. Rather, what we mean is, is that this act of brushing your hair, generally, there will be, during this whole action, one or two hairs which will come out. See, inevitably will come out. And therefore, there's a, there's, sometimes there's a problem with that. It depends on the circumstance. Sometimes there's a problem with that. So, again, this same idea that you can't micro-manage each, each aspect of it. You look at the whole ma'aseh. This ma'aseh of putting the bench from one end of the garden to the other end of the garden. Yes, if you do the science and the maths and the geography, there's going to be definitely one or two holes which will be made. But I'm looking at the whole picture. I'm looking at the whole picture of me combing my hair. Right? I, look at, I don't take each hair individually. And that's the way, that's the attitude we have when we look at psikrasha. It's important to bear that in mind. Aveli. Yeah, um, I have a question. Um, it seems to me from Rambam that, it's, that he does not take this to be a case of psikrasha. And the reason that it seems that to Which me case? is... Which case are you talking about? Of the delet, of the ner that is mehara delet. Why? How do you see that? Um, because he says asur, not, not hayav, right? Meaning that he sees this as a gezera, and that is an asur de oraita of the melecha of mechabe. Um, and uh, therefore, he says at the end, ella yizaher noel, meaning that... Uh, Right, that the the issue is that it is not uh, it is not vada'i, right? Which is which would make it mutar, but if you do it uh, in a certain like not carefully, eventually it'll happen. But any given uh, closing or opening might not do it, which would make it not pesikreshe. But uh, if you don't do it uh, in, uh, carefully, it, it's it's ine- it's inevitable. But that still wouldn't make it a pesikreshe, which is why he... Uh, why he, is it a sur? Because of gezerah. As a gezerah to make you... Gezerah of what? Uh, to make you... Uh, um, that when you do this, to do it, uh, to do it uh, carefully. Because if you do it aggressively, it is... Uh, uh, even though it is not a pesikreshe, it is... One second. If you do it aggressively, it's a pesikreshe? No, it, even that it wouldn't be. It would only be Isur de Rabbah. There's no Isur de Oraita here 
in any case. Uh, uh, right, because he says, well, he always says asur. You're right. Say he does say asur. That's a good point. I, I concede. You're right. The asur, I missed the asur. You're 100% right. Um, you're right on that. It's still, there's obviously no, it's obviously very different to the way the Maharsha is learning. That, that's my main point yes. to, to, to yes. say. I understand what you're saying. I just want to understand what this Gezera is. What's the, what's the Gezera? That what? Even if you are, it's not, what's going to be the problem? Because if you do it, uh, so in, in theory, it should be mutar altogether. But it is, so I guess maybe you could take like this karov le psi right? That uh-huh. it's still so mutar. Ah. No, 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 it's still mutar, right? Because there's no such thing as karov le psi right? That, so it would still be mutar. But, uh, uh, who was it? Rava? Uh, right? Rava, um, was, uh, was wor- he was worried about this person who acted so brazenly. And made a gezera against this act, right? Uh, to say that the person should act carefully. But again, even if you do it aggressively, what's going to be the problem? That you're, it's almost certain that it's going to take. It's going that eventually the nail will blow out. Okay, we even have to take. Uh, I, I, I want to discuss with you further. I, I hear what you're saying. Um, I, I hear the asur, and I agree with that. Uh, but okay, let's say this offline. Uh, let's continue this. But uh, very interesting. Thank you. Okay, good. So that's with regards to Karov Lepsikreshe. Okay, now we come to Psikreshe Dronichale. I'm conscious of the time, so let's, let's try to go a bit faster. Tenor um, Banan says the Grand Shabbat 103. If you uproot certain, veg- and certain vegetables, yeah, it tells you the amount you need in order to be Hayav. In order to be Hayav. So if it's for Achila, it's Grogeret, if it's for Behema, Different measurements for different uh, for different kinds of activities. Then it says, If if it's to um, you're uprooting these things in order to uh, prune the garden, then how much you do is a sword. Ask the Gemara. Every time you uproot, even if you're uprooting to eat these endives, you're 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 going to be uh, pruning the garden. Says the Gemara. We're talking about the uh, Mikhaven. You don't have intention to do that. When you're uprooting, when you're eating the, the when you when you're up, uprooting them in order to eat, you're not doing it with the kabana to prune the garden. That's what Mutah. Ask the Gemara. You're gonna you're gonna prune the garden at the same time. Answer the Gemara. He did this. You're doing this in the land of your friend. Now it calls him. By the way, it calls him his friend. Okay, just bear that in mind. And I'll tell you why in a moment. Um, so there you are, you're in your friend's property, and you are uprooting the endives in order to eat. So that, we don't consider that as an act of pruning. Why? It's a psikreshe. Comes along the aruch, the baal haruch, binatan barichiel from Rome, very early, 11th century. And he says, from this you see that a psikreshe deloni hale mutar, which means a psikreshe, which I, is not good for me, it's mutar. And the proof is this mara. If it was in your own garden, where you are pruning, even though you are pruning to eat, but inevitable consequences, you're pruning your garden at the same time, it would be asur. It would be hayab. But because it's in the garden of your friend, seemingly it becomes mutar. 
That's what he says. And from this, he builds his opinion, which he brings other proofs, Tosfot brings other proofs for this opinion, that when you have a psikreshe deloni chale, which you have uh, no interest in, uh, which is not good for you, it's mutar. Now, let me tell you, these words deloni chale mean that it's not good for you, but that's not precise. And Tosfot proves this from the Gemara, that deloni chale means that you have no interest in it. This is this is the land of your friend. Still, you have no interest in it. It's not that it's bad for you. Right? As long as you have no positive interest in this, then that's considered loni chale. So it doesn't have to be something which is negative against you. As long as it's no positive intention for me, that's considered a psikreshe, the loni chale. And according to the aruch, it's muta. Uh-huh. uh-huh, that's the point, very good well picked up on so the Aruch, Jack brought up a very good point the Aruch builds from this that it's Mutar, but Tosfot correctly points out there's no proof of that because the Gemara was talking about Hayab or not Hayab all you see from the Gemara is you're not Hayab but who said it's Mutar maybe it's Patur, remember there's always three levels in Shabbat that the Rambam puts out right at the beginning Hayab is forbidden from the Torah Asur is forbidden but not liable for, and then you have mutar, permissible. So all the Gemara saying is when you do it in your own land, then you'll be hayab. When you do it in the land of your friend, you won't be hayab. But who, said, who, who told you to go all the way to say it's mutar? Okay, there are other proofs of the Aruch, and there's a back and forth in the Rishonim about this. Interestingly, Harambam doesn't discuss this explicitly. He doesn't talk about this explicitly. Um, and I don't know if we've got time to go into this now, but there is a Rambam when he talks about Mephis Mursa, which is opening a boil. Um, opening a boil on Shabbat. To pop a boil, to open it. Rambam there writes that although it's Asur, but if you're doing it for Refu'ah, for medicine purposes, to take out, to extract the, the poison, yeah, to extract the poison, then the, the, the past. To extract the past, which is well, for medicine purposes is beneficial, then it's mutar to do so. Um, and this is interesting because Harambam, the, the, Rambam, the Gemara which Harambam is quoting, the Magid Mishneh already asks this question. The Gemara which Harambam is quoting goes according to Rabbi Shimon who holds Melacha Sheinat is not Hayab. Rambam is Posek, we're going to talk about this next year. Rambam is Posek, Rabbi Yehuda, the Melacha. And therefore, they ask on Harambam, Magid Mishnah asks on the Rambam that how could he say this is Mutar when this Gemara is only going to Rabbi Shimon that Melchash Gufa is Patur. Therefore, Rufu'ah is Mutar. But according to Rambam, then how can this be Mutar? They discuss this. There's a Reb Chaim Halevi on this as well. Ha'am Vadyab brings this and he dismisses it. Um, there's, as, I just want to, you know, there's, it's there in the Abiyah Omer. In two places, Chaim Vadya discusses the opinion of Rambam with regards to this, both in Chelek uh, Aleph 21 and Chelek Dalet 33 in Haim. The point is, some learn Rambam like the Aruch, some don't. Um, but Chaim Vadya is more noté to say that uh, Rambam does not learn like the Aruch. Um, rather, he learns like Tosfot. Okay, there's discussion about that. But in any case, what does the Shulchan Aruch posek with this? So Shulchan Aruch talks about a similar case based on the Gemara as well, we'll just see the English quickly. So you have a barrel, and you want to remove the stopper from the barrel, 
And by doing so, you're definitely going to squeeze some liquid. So, seemingly, it's a psikrashe. Liquid's going to be squeezed. Nonetheless, he says, one authority, he doesn't quote him, he says, yes, one authority, which is uh, the Rashon of Yesh uh, Mishematir, there is someone who allows this, which is quoting the Aruch, that since it's going to waste, you just, you're squeezing and it's going to waste, it's Loni Hale, you're not interested in that with Mutar. Even again, even the Psikrashe is a soul, but when it's Loni Hale, I've got an interest in it, it becomes Mutar. But then he says, others disagree with him, a strong Lashon he uses, he says, Where is it? He writes, um, they said when he quotes the Aruch says Yesh Mishematir. writes that the, I think the only person he finds who says the same as the Aruch is the Sefer Yereim. Very few. Majority of Mishnah took on like Tosfot and the Rosh and others. So they all argued and they said It's still forbidden midirabbanan. So that's the crucial point. And that's Amaran Posek. That even though. Sikrish Adiloni Halei is definitely not Chayav. It won't be liable from the Torah. However, it will be Asul Mid However, it's important to understand that at the end of the day, this is a Mahlokit, we show you. And therefore, this is a point to bear in mind when there are other factors as well. Okay, so that's with regards to Sikrish Adiloni Halei. And that's how the Poskim, the general Poskim, take on uh, today. The Sikrish Adiloni Halei is not mutar, rather sumid rabbana. Now, we move on to psikreshe bid rabbana. So, all the psikreshes we've talked about are psikreshes with the activity forbidden by the Torah. So, you're cutting the head of the chicken, which is shahet, one of the third time in Akhot. What about if I'm doing a psikreshe, I'm doing something, the inevitable consequence will be that a rabbinic prohibition will be violated. What's the case then? So Shuhan Aruch writes in 314, So you have a knife wedged in the barrel before Shabbat, it's permitted to go in and out with it, as long as you don't intend to widen it. Now the Ramah writes, no. The Ramah for the Ashkenazim writes, Says the Ramah, it has to be that was extracted once for Shabbat, because if not, it's forbidden because of Psikreshe, it's creating a hole to the barrel. Now, this hole, now, without going into too much detail, when it comes to making holes on Shabbat, in order to be a soul from the Torah, it has to be a hole which is, which is to take in and out. If the hole is to only do one of them to take out or to bring in, then it's only a sumid rabbanan. So the Ramah says it has to be that you've taken the knife out before and then you put it back in, so then it's a knife which you've already gone in and out with. Then you're allowed to take it out. But Shalom doesn't hold that. Shalom holds that even if you never take it out yet, you're taking it out for the first time, nonetheless, it's still going to be mutar because, quoting the Trumat Adeshen here, True, you're going to be creating a hole, but that hole is not lachnis or hotzi, and therefore it's not a sur from the Torah, but by the Hakamim. Therefore, 
It's mutar de psik reshet. The Mishnah Bura speaks this out. If you have a look here on the sheet, Hainu she atakwa bechozek wadeya utzal chasatov psik reshet ushe itahev anekev. Afilo achi kevan di ikar isuro rak vidar banan. Svir le kevan de shari kevan shem itkabel nazem. Vedat haraman achlok alav. So he have a very clear mahloket, seemingly just from here, Shohan Aruch and the Ramah. According to the Ramah, Psyche Reshev with the Rabbanan is still Asur. According to Shohan Aruch, just here, Psyche Reshev with the Rabbanan is Mutar. The problem is, as often happens, is that the Shohan Aruch quotes in other places different Mekorot, and those Mekorot seem to imply that Psyche Reshev Rabbanan is Asur. That's the problem which we have, because in one place he's quoting the transition, other place he's quoting the Mordechai, and another place he seems to imply it's Asur. Um, so in the Beit Yosef, in the name of the Mordechai, in 316, there he's talking about flies. Flies, trapping flies. Now flies, even if you were to intend and to trap the fly and you use the fly, still it would not be forbidden by the Torah, because flies are something which are not regularly hunted for, not regularly trapped. Uh, and therefore, it's not. Nonetheless, the Mordechai wrote that you shouldn't close a box which has flies in it because it's a psikreshe that you're trapping, the, uh, you're trapping the flies. And the Beit Yosef quotes this to Halakha. And that's a big problem because it's within flies. Even if you were to trap it, by me closing the box, I'm not closing it to trap the flies. I'm closing it, I want to close my box. By closing it, I'm going to trap the flies. It's inevitable what I'm doing, right? Nonetheless, he still says, it's So, again, these kinds of things are very difficult to come to a true and clear answer because Shonarok sometimes is quoting him, he's quoting there, but the Hamavadiyah takes the opinion that really, even according to, even though is a sur, sorry, is mutar, when it's possible not to do so, then you try to do so. And so, when it's coming to the barrel of the wine where you need to take the knife out, you need to drink your wine, without being able to drink, mutar. It's mutar, there's no other choice, it's fine. With the fries, though, you can easily uh, shoot the fries away. Therefore, because it can be easily be done, better not to do it. And that's generally the Psyche of in many places, he doesn't really use Psyche by itself. He won't allow just any Psyche on its own merits to allow something. He'll always add something to it. But as we see, it's not so straightforward. Some more material as well. But this is the opinion of Ham that Psyche uh, is is uh, the starting point is a sword. However, however, if it's a psikreshed rabbanan deloni hale, then Hamvadiyah is matir straight away. Why? Because let's just, let's just unpack that phrase. Psikreshed rabbanan deloni hale. So, let's take the example I began with earlier on. You come to your holiday home. The fridge has got a light. Every time you open and close the fridge, the light doesn't come on and off. So, let's assume electricity is the rabbanan. So here, every t- now I'm not intending to switch the light on and off. I want to open and close the fruit, fridge to get my food. I open and close, the light comes on and off. So it's a psikreshet, right? It's a drabbanan. 
Because what I am doing is creating a light to come with electricity, which is an Esrum Drabanan. Do I have any interest in this light? So this all depends. If it's pitch black in the house, and by me opening the fridge and the light is on, I'm going to be able to see around in the fridge. That's Nihale. So then, this will be the Mahrokets, whether Psyche Shibra is Mutar or not. And even that's not so straightforward, it's a soul. There is one place in Shuhanaf where it's clear it's Mutar. And Imam Khamadiyah says that it's good. If the alternative is I can't get my food on Shabbat, then that's not going to be any worse off than taking the knife out of the bowel to get your wine. Of course, that'll be Mutar. But that already has to be that, that you've got no other alternative. However, if the light's on, and you've got no interest in the light in the fridge, then this is a classical And Kavadiyah uses this countless times that this is considered something which is mutar straight out. Why is it mutar straight out? It says specs fake There's a double doubting. Number one, there's the mahlaket whether psikhisheb dirabbanan is mutar or asur. We saw. Even if you want to say it's a sur, but there's another mahlaket whether something, even if it was a doraita, if it's lo nihale, whether it's a sur, we saw the mahlaket, the aruch, and the tosfot. If you have something, the lo nihale, according to the aruch, it's mutar. True, we don't, we don't follow the aruch, but when you have these two doubts together, you have a suffix fika, and therefore, when you have psikreshe, bidrabbanan, the lo nihale, Mutar Bishofi. And I've quoted a few Teshuvot, there's many other places, a few Teshuvot in Abiyah Omer, where he uses this principle. He uses this principle in Chelek uh, Dalad, um, Lamed Dalad, with regards to Duchemesh. He uses it in 21 with regards to a fridge. You're opening a fridge, not with the light, but opening a fridge and the, the temperature is going to have to, it's gonna, temperature is going to change. So he says, that's only chale. I don't have to pay for more expensive. <laughs> when it comes on, the bill's going to get higher. Right? So it's only chale. It's a psychic shape of electricity. The only chale. Mutar. He uses it with cutting through a cake with letters on. It's mutar. And various other examples. He talks also in Chelek He talks about walking uh, with your shoes, which leave an imprint on the floor which you're treading on. So that's in Isudra Banan. You're walking. It's psikresha. You're causing these imprints on the ground. But you have no interest in it. It's only Hale. And it's only Dirabbanan because it's not the normal way of doing it. Or because of whatever, not permanent, whatever it may be. Psikresha, Dirabbanan, only Hale, Muta. So therefore, it's absolutely fine. If you can open and close the fridge with the light on Shabbat as long as you don't need the light. You're not doing it for the light to come on. No. Absolutely fine. Of course, he's not doing that. With pleasure. I'm just, just referring to Hamavadia. Pardon? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's not for now. It's a spec speaker. The Ramah said, the Ramah said, the Ramah said, the Ramah said, this is Loni Khali as well. I'm not sure, but uh, I'm saying I could hear someone arguing that. What does Isaac Isaac want to say? Isaac, how about uh, if the Rev wants, I can bring it up the, to show the answer inside if you want uh, any of the Abiyam, or you want to see it inside. If we don't have time. Um, maybe at the end of the. Okay, we start, Ezra, maybe the end, uh, sorry, Isaac, 
Isaac at the end. Yeah, please. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Let's just 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 um, finish off the main points. I just want to don't want to keep people. I'll let people go and then we can uh, we can discuss that. I'll continue for another four minutes. That's okay. We started a bit late. Um, is it the same? Let me, let me just do that. Let me just, uh, get, 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 get mind. Same closing the switch. Open and closing. You're opening the fridge, yeah, because you want food, and then you're closing the fridge, and then you're the and if you want the temperature to go, you want the temperature no, to go no, with the light. I mean. No, but you don't care about the light. The light's not affecting the food. The light. What did I go through the food? But then with that on the next level, if you forgot to close it properly, and then you got the light on. Yeah, and they also that the thermostat will make sure yeah, it stays there. Um, so again, I, I want to make sure we'll be, be discussing principles here. I don't want to get stuck in the details. That's going to be the other showing, but at the end, Margaret, if you don't mind. Okay, let's just quickly finish what we have. Um, okay, this is a bit fine. Now you have another interesting concept, Safek Psikreshe. Okay, and Hamvadia here is leaning again. Safek psikreshev. This will be the last thing we'll discuss tonight. Psikreshev we've talked about is when you pull something and you're not showing the action if it's going to do something. Let's say, however, you have a box. In this box, there has flown into it are some beautiful, uh, some beautiful um, butterflies. And it's a big box, and you're now not sure whether the butterflies are still there or not. So they're very small. Something's gone in there. You don't know if it's still there or not. When there is a safek psikreshe, this is something which is not, is my action going to do something? But rather, I'm doing something for sure. I'm closing the box. Now, if there are flies in there, if there is a butterfly in there, then the result will be that a psikreshe that the butterfly will be trapped. If it's not there, it won't be trapped. So I'm not miscavering on that. I'm not intending for it. But if there is a butterfly in there, then it's going to be a psikreshet. You see the difference? This isn't a classical darasha miscavering. Darasha miscavering, the classical one is when you're doing something which you are doing the action and the action, you're not sure what the consequences of the action will be. Here, you know what the action is doing. You're closing the box. And by closing the box, you're going to trap the flies. Either you're going to the butterfly, but you just don't know whether the butterfly is there or not. So that will end with this. According to the Tureza Hav, he took on that this is Mutar. The Bior al was more stringent about this. And this in Yabia Omer here at the bottom, that this is considered, um, uh, it falls under the rubric of the Varshalomit Kaven, and therefore this is permissible. So to summarize the main principles which we've discussed tonight, and we'll end with this, uh, the main principles we've discussed, number one, we've said that in order for a, an action to be prohibited on Shabbat, it has to have six conditions. And we, we've looked at tonight just mit kaven, which means you have full intention what you're doing. We've talked about the Varsha mit kaven, the machloket, machloket tanaim, halachais mutar. We talked about psikreshe zasu. We talked about Hayab. We talked about the concept of Safek secret of um, Karob Psikreshe. That's uh, there is a source for that, but we don't really follow that. 
and I want to continue with the Rebbe afterwards upon that. We talked about Pesikusha Deloni Hale, Machloket, Rishonim on that. The, the, the Halakha of the Shulchan Aruch is that one doesn't allow a Pesikusha Deloni Hale, even though you have no interest in it. Pesikusha Bidirabbanan, there is contradictions in the Shulchan Aruch. The Halakha is in the first instance, we don't do Pesikusha with the Dirabbanan. However, if it's a psikashev de Rabbanan, de Loni Chalei, we have no interest in it, then it's mutar to be done. And a safek psikashev, which means you have a doubt whether the action which you're doing will lead to an inevitable consequence or not, that as well, Hamadiyah's posek is mutar in accordance with the Ture Zahab. Next week, please God, we will go through the other as- aspects of Melechet Machshevet. Um, which are, as we said, Kedarkat, Chalegufa, Metaken, Metkayim, etc. And we'll also talk about the principles of Shvut Dishvut and all of that. Can I just ask, if you don't mind, just before everyone goes, um, I wasn't sure if this was, you know, are we interested more in the practical aspects or the background as well? I, I don't know, maybe this was a bit too, too much background. So if anyone's got any feedback, either way, if you like this style, we'll prefer more of a final line you know, uh, style, what's the final halakha, and that, you know, what's the final, without going to all the background, just feed, put the feedback in the chat box, or uh, tell Sina, it'll be nice, to, just for the future shiurim, which we're going to be doing together, just to understand what exactly is your, are your preferences. Okay, any questions to discuss together? Yeah, I have a question. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it relates to the principles. Even uh, the example I will bring up doesn't relate to Shabbat and not even to Jewish law. But let me bring you, uh, let me bring my example. There was a couple of years ago a very interesting case uh, in Germany where um, there was a traffic violation in an area where one can only drive 30 miles per hour. Two car drivers conducted a car raising and drove 100 miles per hour in the inner city. Unfortunately, uh, during the, the raising, um, one or two people were killed. The case went, to, uh, went through the courts um, with different opinions, with uh, the upper court, the Supreme Court, deciding that one of the drivers had conducted murder. Now, normally, in these cases, it is ruled that um, the driver did not have an intent to kill and was just into fast driving. That's normally what uh, courts had ruled in the past. Here, the upper court said that um, the driver must have known that it was an inevitable consequence of this fast driving way beyond the limit and uh, and disregarding red lights, therefore sent him, uh, gave him a punishment of lifelong in jail. Now, given what we disc so, and the defendant, of course, said he did not have an intent and could not know that this was an inevitable consequence. So given what we discussed uh, tonight, with relating, uh, relating, of course, to the laws of Shabbat. I wonder which of the principles would be applied to which extent. If I were to do a violation of, say, Shabbat laws. In the scenario you've described with the driving? Or yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, the, the scenario is... You don't, you, mean, you, don't know, you don't know whether it's a psikrasha or not? 
Yeah, if I'm the defendant, I might say, no, I did not have an intent to violate, to, to kill someone or to do a big violation. Whereas the court says, no, you must have known it given the nature of your conduct. Maybe a different way of phrasing it. In whose eyes is it all to, to be in the notice? Okay, of I thought it was asking a question. Okay. That, that's the question you're asking. In whose eyes? Okay, so of course... Or even if you should have known. Objective reality. Right. You know, what the regular human being thinks. You know, if you yourself... If you yourself don't know anything about uh, about the science of uh, or the, you know, the, the the maths, you, you don't know anything about you know this, this specific situation, um, then you need to find out first. I'm saying you need to uh, you can't just say something is a not psychosocial or is a psychosocial without knowing the knowledge. You have to have a basic understanding of, uh, of what, what you know what the what the scenario is. Um, a lack of knowledge is never an excuse. But is it isn't it the, isn't it like the case you said? 99% or 100%. The court in this case said, you should know 100%. Therefore, you will be indicted for murder. No, if I say, well... If, if a person honestly, to Akadosh Baruch says, I really didn't think it was a psychosocial, then of course he won't be held liable. But it's still the onus upon the person to find out what uh, is this psychosocial or not. So... You could never be held liable if you didn't have attention. If you honestly held that you're not psychosocial, then fine. Of course, that wouldn't be a problem. But uh, yeah. yeah, I see. Okay. Any other? Yeah. Thank you for that, Basil. Any other? Uh, any other questions? Are there any poskim? Can they hear you? Can everyone hear you? Are there any poskim who say that there is an objective standard as to what's called new following? So, for example, some might argue that turning on a light is always beneficial because it will. There is such a... No. Uh, ben is asking whether there are any poskim who argue that Nihale has an objective reality. No, it depends on the circumstances. Um, the, the example of the life will depend on whether you need the light or not. It's something to do with you personally. Uh, you see clearly in the Quran, Arad de Chavre, not Arad de Chavre. You know, could one argue then that if I don't want to break Shabbat, then it's automatically not Nihale? Yeah, but that's circular. You can actually answer on the words of the screen that when, when the sermon focuses on you don't want to pay extra money to give it. In the actual market, you want to I want my food to be cold. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ben's asking whether. Uh, you, don't, you want to make sure that it becomes only chalet. And therefore. Even with competing factors. Like and therefore it becomes mutar. Like Ramadia said that. Opening the fridge, even though it's going to keep my food colder because it's going to it change the thermostat, because I'm paying more money, it's lonely holiday. So then, even with other concerns, once I say that I don't want to break Shabbat, it's lonely holiday. And then, if you want to make it more tough, yeah. I hear you. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit, a bit novel, that, but <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Okay, Isaac, you want to, you want to share with us? Uh, sorry. The sorry. Uh, sorry. But, so I have a question about uh, uh, I was wondering whether it makes a difference uh, whether the act you're considering helps, but it's not necessary. So say you're sorry, if the act, repeat. Uh, whether, the, uh, whether in a case where the act is 
uh, where the result of the act is not necessary, but it helps you. Say you're trying to go off a stairway in Shabbat, there is a motion sensor, you don't need the light, but the light certainly makes it easier to go up without you know, that's, falling. That's Nihale. That's certainly helping them. That would be Even nihale. though you don't need it. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Nihale, I mean, I didn't explain that. That's a good point. Nihale doesn't mean whether you need it or not, whether it's, you're happy with it. It, it, also, if, if it's very dark in the room and and, uh, and and the light in the fridge will give you extra light, that would probably be any halit. Actually, yeah. it's good for you. It's not loich patlit. Like, remember the example is you're, pour, you're doing it in, the, in the, your friend's garden. You're watering your friend's garden. He's not, you know, you've got no interest in his garden being a nice garden. So that's not any so yeah. The same question as to what extent that outweighs other factors. To what extent can you say the light turning on? The light turning on in the fridge will always give you more light. Even what's the, the kitchen, what's right? the objective sentence around that? Right. So the if, if the light in the room is on and I open the fridge, there will still be more light because I open the fridge. <coughs> it doesn't really help. So what point? When, it, when, it's when, not, you, when you're not interested in it at all. That's Nikhali, something which, you know, the point, the opposite of Nikhali is very expensive. It makes a difference. <laughs> when you open the fridge during the week and the light's on, do you ever... Think about the light. You, you never think about it. Exactly. That's that's only fun. Okay. Any anyone else? Why is it? Okay. Isaac, you want to share it now, Isaac? I was just saying if the Rav wanted to see it, I don't necessarily want to show something specifically. Post it in the group. Post it in the group. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Please, if you yeah. can. Thank you. I just, you don't have. Uh, it's not on Safari yet. Someone has to type out the Abiyah on Safari. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Ezra Ezra was trying to do that at one point. I don't know. He okay. wasn't so successful. <laughs> okay. Um, Lovely if, to see you all, Rabbi. Have a wonderful week. And Shneireb Shneireb Hamati Yerushalayim. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Rabbi. Fascinating. Thank you. Thank you, of course.